the book of James in chapter number three. And if you remember last week, uh, we began, we just, we spent last week just talking about verse number one. And James is warning these Hebrew Christians that are scattered abroad, and he's warning them about being a teacher. We know that the Bible says if a man desires the office of a bishop, that uh, he desires the good thing. But, but James is warning them that, listen, you, you become a teacher, recognize that you, you put yourself uh, in a place where you're going to come under a greater judgment. You're going to be held accountable for more. And so you should be cautious about the desire to be a teacher. And so uh, the reason he's mentioning that here is because, of course, a teacher uses his tongue. But James is warning them, and, and anyone that has a desire to be a teacher needs to think about that. They need to think about the plan of God and the design he has, the way that someone is to go about and to be a teacher and to hold that position of being a teacher, that process, the the laying on of the hands and all of that stuff that goes on. And we should think about that and then recognize that the words we say, we're going to be held accountable for those. And so that's, that's a warning that James gives there in, in verse number one. But then he goes on and he's going to talk about the taming of the tongue. And we've been looking at the book of James and, and thinking about all the proofs in the word of God that, uh, Prove the faith. Because we remember faith without works is dead. And so James has been talking about that. He's been talking about the works that will be present in the life of one who is a believer. And so now we're going to find that the third proof is the proof of the tongue. And so we, we saw that the, the first thing is going to happen. If you are a true believer, you're going to have patience and you're going to persevere. And then we looked at you're not going to play favorites. There's not going to be, you're not going to be partial. You're going to be impartial as a believer. And you're going to have works because faith without works is dead. And now we get to verse number, chapter number three, and we get to the tongue. So the taming of the tongue is a proof of the faith that you have because of the discipline that's necessary to control the tongue. And then we also want to understand that the tongue is a revealer of what is in the heart. Because we remember that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we get here in James in verse number, James chapter number three and verse number two, it says, For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even, though the, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and, it's, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren... 
These things ought not to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So James is going to talk about the taming of the tongue. And the first thing that we find out is, is that the taming of the tongue is a sign of maturity. And so he begins off by saying that, listen, there are lots of ways that we offend people. There are many ways that we can offend people. All of us stumble in that area. We're going to offend someone sometimes by what we do or what we don't do. And sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's unintentional. But, but it is a fact of the matter that, that we are going to offend. We may sin a sin of commission or a sin of omission. And it says that when we do that, we, we sin against God and we sin against men. So we, so we recognize our nature, that, that that is our nature. But notice what he says. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, if we do not sin with the tongue, that is a sign of maturity. Because it says the same is a perfect man. That word perfect means complete, which we've always studied to think about mature. And so again, James, thinking about James and these scattered Christians, and, and they're scattered all, all over the Roman Empire and, and Asia Minor, and they're going to new places. And, and so he's, he's trying to encourage them in their walk. Again, they're going to, to new places where there might not be a, they might not have a teacher, and, and they might have to be the teacher. And, and they're going to places where they might be all alone. And so he's writing this letter to try to encourage them. And so in that, he's trying to encourage them to pay attention to their tongues. Because when you can control the tongue, it's a sign of you being spiritually mature. That's, that's, that's what someone who is spiritually mature does. They pay attention to the words they say. And I have this in my notes a little bit later on, but, but you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to their words. A lot of people will say, well, that's just the way I am. Or a lot of people will say, well, one thing about that person, they're going to tell you the truth. And, and you, somebody, you might hear somebody say, well, if you don't know the truth, don't ask me because I'm going to tell you. And some people will say, well, I just say what's on my mind. And they think that's a positive thing. But according to this, that's not a positive thing. That's not a sign of maturity. That's a sign of immaturity. Not being able to control your tongue is a sign of immaturity. And so we need to think about that. A disciple of Jesus has the goal of bridling the tongue. And he also says that if you can bridle the tongue, then you're able to bridle the whole body also. And so uh, not only in our society today, we ought to have the the, the, the goal of bridling the tongue, but we also ought to have the goal of bridling the thumbs or bridling the fingers. Now, that, I, don't, I don't know how active you guys are on social media, but some of the younger generations are active on social media. And I know that some people feel that the, the compulsion that they have to be heard and they have to stand up and they always have to comment on things all the time. And, you know, 
You don't have to. Sometimes the best thing to do is not to say anything on social media. But anyway, but so bridling the fingers or bridling the thumbs um, should be taken up by a Christian also. Because we understand that the discipleship process is to the whole man. Body, soul, spirit, actions with the hands, actions with the feet, actions with the tongue, actions with the heart. All of those, as a disciple, you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow after Jesus. And so, so we want to understand that that's, that's part of being a disciple. Being a follower of Jesus is disciplining yourself to act in a way that is pleasing to God. And, and so he's talking about here about bridling the tongue. And so... When we think about this, we, we see that it's easier to bridle the actions than it is to bridle the tongue. Because he says, listen, if you can, if you can bridle your tongue, then you can bridle the whole body. So what he's saying is, it's easier to bridle the body than it is the tongue. So it's easier not to, we'll say, it's easier not to look at pornography than it is to not safe offensive things or not to offend with your tongue. It's easier not to drink alcohol than it is to control your tongue. It's easier, you know, it's easier to stop using, well, no profanity would be using the tongue, wouldn't it? But it's easier, an action that you might do with your, that your body is easier to control than it is to control your tongue. And so that's what James is talking about. And so, again, remember that the reason that it's easier to control actions than it is to control your tongue because the tongue is a revealer of what's in the heart. And so uh, it's easier to bridle actions than it is to bridle the tongue. So he does use the analogy there of a bridle in, uh, in the day that James is uh, writing this. Uh, you know, that bridles were a very common uh, thing and in and, and our culture today, I mean, most of us probably know what a bridle is. We've seen a horse's bridle. Maybe you've even put a horse's bridle on a horse, or you've ridden a horse, and you know uh, what it is. But I did a just a, a little bit of study, and 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 the bridle. There's a place that that bridle fits in the horse's mouth, and and it puts pressure on the side of the the mouth of the horse, and the horse's natural inclination is to turn away from the pressure that is applied uh, to the bridle. And so uh, the pressure applied is that which changes actions. And so he's talking about putting the horse, the bits in the horse's mouth so that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. And so the saint of God will learn how to pressure himself or to apply pressure to his heart to change the content of his words. Because you see, really, the problem with your words and how you say things that might offend is really a problem with your heart because your mouth's going to say what's in your heart. And so you put pressure on your heart. And if you really think about the things you're going to say and why you're going to say them and how you're going to say them, you know, put pressure on your heart to consider all that, you're, you're going to pay attention to what you're saying. So, so a disciple 
You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I keep my body under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Some people say I beat my body and bring it into subjection. So as a Christian, you know, we might be able to beat our body and bring it into subjection. Like, you know, you might, no, Mark, don't do that. Or, or I can remember younger in my Christian life, I'd be like, no, 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 no. You know, don't look at that. You know, that's going to be sin if you look at that. So don't look at that. And it's easy to cover your eyes. or It's easy for you to remove yourself out of a situation. I mean, that's, we can do that, right? We can beat our body and bring it into subjection. As the old saying goes, at the dinner plate, you break the plate, right? You, you don't continue, don't get a bigger plate, you get a smaller plate. If you want to eat smaller portions, eat them on a smaller plate, right? So it's easier to control the actions of the body. But the taming of the tongue is a different thing. And so... We need to learn how to bring our heart in subjection, which will bring our tongue into subjection. But how are we going to do that? The first thing we have to understand is that the natural man is not okay. Who we are as a natural man is not okay. Who we are by nature is not okay. The natural man is full of sin and it needs to be eradicated. You can't just bring your body into subjection if you don't believe that the natural man is full of sin. And so you need to understand that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You have to understand that you can't obey your heart. You can't follow your heart. One of the worst things you can do is say, let's just follow your heart. No. The heart's full of sin and it's desperately wicked. You don't want to follow your heart. And you can't just say, well, that's just who I am. That's the way I was raised. That's the way I was born. Yeah, you were born dead in trespasses and sins. So you can't excuse that. You have to understand that the natural man is full of sin and it needs to be changed. That's the way you're going to attack the problem is to understand that it needs to be changed. And the tongue, it's difficult. I mean, again, like it says, you can, you can put bits in the horse's mouth that they obey us and turn about their whole body and, and we can focus on the body and trying to keep the body in subjection and that's one thing, but it's quite another thing to... Um, Pay attention to our tongues and the words that we say. Because sometimes, you know, our mouth speaks before we think, right? So we got to be careful. The tongue operates before the brain. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, well I spoke before I thought. Or you've heard the admonition, right? Think before you speak. Sometimes we can... You know, it, well, it just it, the words just flew out of there. I, I didn't mean to say it. You know, I didn't. And sometimes you think, well, if I could just have those words back. And so James is saying, listen, we're going to offend in a lot of ways. We're going to offend with our words lots of times. So it's going to take a lot of work on our behalf to tame the tongue. You know, you. 
You don't even need to think about the way someone will receive what you're saying. You've heard somebody say, well, I didn't mean it that way. Well, that's the way that I took it. It didn't, mean, it didn't matter how you meant it. That's how I took it. And you know that's one of my greatest problems, always the way that I respond. It, how many times have I heard, Mark, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And so you got to pay attention to your tongue. And, and, and as a disciple of Jesus, we, we have to pay attention to our tongue. And as these Christians are going out to these new areas, they need to understand that they're going to be going out into the world and, and the world's going to be looking at them and they're supposed to be Christians. And they need to pay attention to the way they communicate with others. Pay attention to your tongue. Pay attention to the tone of the words that you're saying, taming the tongue. And isn't it interesting, when you think about something being tamed, what's the first animal that comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to my mind is a lion, right? The taming of a lion. And so what they're saying is, just as difficult it is to tame a lion, a fierce beast, it's difficult to tame the tongue. Williams says, if anyone never slips in speech, he is a man of maturity. He can control his whole body too. And so James now is going to give these analogies to describe the tongue. And he begins with the analogy of a ship and its rudder. And what we're going to see in all of, all of these analogies is that um, it's taking a small item to control a bigger item. We've already looked at a horse's bridle, right? And, and the bridle, just that little piece of metal, you know, what is it, four to six inches wide and probably, you know, less than an inch in diameter. And you put that in the horse's mouth along with uh, the, the, the reins. And, and that's just a small piece. And I don't know what a normal horse weighs, but I'm going to guess more than a thousand pounds. But that little piece of metal, we're going to, tame or control that great beast it turns the entire body and and remember here's the important thing there's someone controlling the bridle right the rider controls the bridle it's controlled by someone else and so when we think about that that's for us the holy spirit is the one who leads us when we're thinking about bridling our tongue, we need to understand that we have someone outside of us to control us, to help us to see. And we need to understand that's the duty of the Holy Spirit. And, and you take a great ship, right? A great ship, a large vessel that's affected by out, outside circumstances like the winds. It's driven, it says in verse number four, of fierce winds. Yet they are turned about with a very small helm or a very small rudder. You think about those big ships. Have you ever seen the rudder on those ships? I mean, you think about and, and those propellers. I mean, they're all, they, they seem out of proportion. But the rudder that, 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 uh, that uh, guides a great ship is small proportionately to the overall size of the ship. And think that rudder is what, guides that ship by which way it turns it. It's how it steers it. And, and it. and it's hard to believe that that rudder, that small piece is what guides and steers that ship. And that's the way, what he's saying is, listen, 
bridle the tongue because your, your tongue is a small member uh, 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 proportionately to your body. And in a lot of times, it's what's guiding your ship. But then again, who is guiding the rudder? Of course, it says the governor. And so again, it would be the picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit controlling the rudder. The Holy Spirit controlling the tongue. And and we must guard against outside circumstances because the ship is being driven of fierce winds. And so we need to pay, uh, pay, pay attention to outside circumstances in our life and, and recognize that when they are blowing into our lives that, that it's going to shift us and shift our direction. And so we need to have our tongue under control of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, our body can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And, and we must be submitted to the will of the captain. And so these are all things that they're pictures that... James paints for us, not for us, for those that heard his, um, read his letter, to help them get a picture of uh, what he's, the point he's trying to make. And, and again, that's what a good speaker does. A good speaker paints word pictures that are easily, easily understood. And so James is doing that for his audience. And, and those are all analogies that we know and understand that help us grasp this thought. Um, but they're to point us to the fact that we need to take control over the actions and over the tongue. And again, we remember that um, the ability to control the tongue is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of spiritual strength. It is possible to control the tongue. It is possible to control what might seem like a large task by being submitted to the, uh, the governor, submitted to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can control our tongue, and uh, we can walk in a way that's pleasing to God. So, so the question will be, are you spiritually mature tonight? Are you spiritually mature enough that you can control your tongue and that you have submitted your tongue to the Holy Spirit and you're going to work on not offending in word or deed? Now, there's a whole lot more to say, but we're going to finish right there for tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night and the opportunity uh, we have to be together and to learn from your word. And God, I pray that you'll help us to think about the words we say. Help us to guard our words. Help us to speak that which only honors you. Help us not to use our words to curse man and to glorify God. That, that can't be. So help us to pay attention to our tongues tonight as we go out into the world. Just thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.